I wouldn't do that if I was you. You'll just end up blowing your damn face off. Then you'll still be depressed. Even more depressed probably because of your fucked up face. (laughs) This is Rebels Without a Clue. And here we are, guys, back for another week yet again. That's it. Yep. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, this is this is going to be an interesting topic this week. This is a little bit different. Yeah, because we're gone. We're kind of mixing two types of our episodes. Yeah, know what I mean. We're going with not only a film but also a topic that can be branched to this film. Yes, correct. Yeah, and it's definitely steering away from the mainstream in which we normally would choose. Yeah. Because when you think about it, we really haven't done anything really indie or eclectic. Beg your pardon? Such as? Shaolin Soccer. Yeah, but... <laughs> you know I'm right. <laughs> Just admit it. Okay. I'm right. But still, it, I'd still consider that somewhat mainstream. But it's anyways, not! Okay. Okay, there's no need to get aggressive. There's absolutely no need. Yes, there is. We're just starting. I fucking hate that movie. Well, it's our best viewing one. Oh, uh, listening one. My bad. God damn it. Uh, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah. Um, do you want to do the well, formalities? Look, be- yeah, before we get into it, if you haven't done so already, guys, be sure to go like and subscribe us on Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, or whatever podcast platform you use. You can also follow us on our social medias on Instagram, Rebels Without a Clue 03, Twitter, Rebels Without a 1, and Facebook, Rebels Without a Clue Podcast. Boom, there you go. There we go. You've now that got that's- that down to an art, mate. Well, I've said it God knows how many times now. At least twice per episode. That's true. And we've gotten how many episodes now? Uh, up to what, 60... 61, 62? Uh, something like that. But, yeah, I've done it at least 120 times. Perfect. Okay, well, just before we begin, I need to put out a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, oh, yeah. The sounds in the background, if anyone is consciously aware of them, is wind. Is- Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. There's some serious gale force winds currently at the moment, which is smacking on the garage doors. And if you don't know, we do our podcast in a garage. So there's a lot of wind resonance happening currently. Yeah. As you can tell, it sounds like the hinges of the doors are about to fly off. Yeah, we do. Uh, so just bear with us, guys. Yeah. All right. So this week, we thought we'd... um. We'd visit a movie that we watched just recently. I think we watched it, what, a week or so ago? Yeah, about a week ago. Um, we got around to watching Guns Akimbo. Yes, a very, very unique movie, I must say. Yeah, and I'm surprised, honestly, it took me this long to watch it. Yeah, well, like, I've heard of it, and mm. I was very conscious and aware of when it first came out, and I knew, okay, this is something that's not going to have a massive mainstream following. Yeah. It just didn't look like the sort. Like, remember Henry? Which one? Uh, the movie. Hardcore Henry. Yeah. Yeah. That was very like in the vein of this, I found, yeah. in terms of not your mainstream following, a little bit more to left of center. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt that with this one here, like even down to the movie art or like the poster art, mm. it just, it didn't invoke you to go, oh, I want to watch that. Like, yeah, sure. It had Daniel Radcliffe front and center. Mm. But I was like, ah, oh, okay, cool. And it was definitely sort a of different didn't... sort of role for him. Yeah, and he kind of just sort of looked over it. Yeah, it, it was interesting because like sitting there watching it and the initial thoughts going through my head were like, mm, okay, don't know what I'm going to expect. Yeah. Don't know how this is going to end. Don't know what the story is going to be about. But 
don't know if you had the same thoughts as I did whilst watching it. I like I just had that thought of throughout the whole movie going, why did it take me so long to watch this? Yeah. yeah. Why, why did I wait so long? This is great. It was. And it, it's different in the sense that like there's no doubt that we all love blockbusters and big popcorn flicks. It's just, you know, it's easy, cruisy watching. And look, that's not to say that this one wasn't a popcorn flick. It was. It was. To a degree, I'd say it wasn't. I reckon it was. Okay. Well, we can agree to disagree, Tony. Sure. We don't have to agree on everything. We rarely, we rarely agree on everything. <laughs> Case in point. Um, but yeah, like this one here definitely got, I think it got undershadowed. It did. It never really hit the kind of mainstream market that you would assume a Daniel Radcliffe movie would. Yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of movies that he has been choosing as of late that are a little bit left of centre. Yeah, I think it's the whole trying to get out of the stereotype that he's Harry Potter. Yes. And, and I think that's, you know what? One, be a, that's a hard one to break. Hard mould to break. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, going off what he brought to this... I think it really gave me a different snapshot of what Daniel Radcliffe was capable of. Yeah. Because there's a couple others that I've watched of his that I've been really impressed with. Uh, Two case in point is the fucking, what's the scissor knife? Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man, that one. Yeah. And also the woman in black. Okay. Uh, Again, that's horror based, but it's just a very different role to what I find that... um, Daniel Radcliffe would normally play. So, <laughs> sorry, fucking cars, fucking lebs, lebmobiles. <sighs> Regardless, anyways, Cunts. back to it. Cunts, Cunts, dirty dogs, <laughs> dirty, dirty, dirty dogs, fucking dirty dogs. Anyway, anyways, back on point. Yeah, yeah. So, Guns Akimbo. How did you feel when we first started watching it? What were you expecting? Honestly, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I really went in with no expectations whatsoever, not only of how the movie would be, but even of the storyline. Yeah. I didn't really have, I didn't read up on it. I didn't look into trailers, just sort of came across it and like, oh, looks okay. Yeah. You know, so. I was surprised to see it on your Plex. Yeah. Like, well, I went through that spree of just getting my hands on whatever I could. Yep. Shit movies. Every single Van Damme ever movie he's ever fucking done. Horrible, mate. Horrible. Jesus. <laughs> but either way, I'm glad we got around to watching it. Yeah, me too. So, how did you feel character base? Like, was there any characters that really you took a liking to? Because I already know this is the question I wanted to ask. Because I know where this is already going to go. You already know who my pick is. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, let's discuss his name. Glenjamin. Good old Glenjamin. Who on earth names their Big son, son Glenjamin? Oh, there's <laughs> nothing right about name. it. Oh my god! For those who haven't seen the film, Glenjamin is—I <laughs> can't take it seriously. <laughs> Glenjamin is a bum. He's basically a crack addict hobo, <laughs> a meth head, literally, a, a, a New Zealand meth head <laughs> in America. And Glenjamin was actually one of the guys who is part of Flight of the Concords. So. You can kind he's of from the show. Yeah. He's not part of the group. Or no, the, or the no, musically, but, but he's part of the show. So you kind of expect there's a very unique genre of New Zealand humor. I yeah, find, yeah, like a lot of the movies that the New Zealands produce, mm. when it's comedy based, it's either funny Maoris, yeah, 
or it's that really alternative sense of humor yeah. that they utilize their accents for. Yeah. And it's fucking hysterical. Yeah. But Glenjamin, played by Reese Darby, he was easily <laughs> my favorite character in the whole movie. And he that- wasn't even in it for that long, but he made an impression. That quote from the start <laughs> is basically what he had said that just triggered us. That line had a First line in the whole movie. That's what we hear out of his mouth. Like, (laughs) yep, I like this guy already. And not to mention the part with the hot dog. No! So, for those of you who don't know or haven't seen it yet, Daniel Radcliffe has guns bolted to his hands. Should we go through a quick sort of, I guess, synopsis of the movie? I think that should be All right, well, look, basically, the movie's based on Daniel Radcliffe's character, um, Miles, who... Basically, he works at a pretty much a games a games designing yeah. um, studio where they make mobile games, and, and it's a fucking. It's basically shit just game a depiction of his sad, like virtually a sad life. Yeah, it is right. He basically goes to work, goes home, cruises the net, repeat. Yeah, right. It's a depressing life. It is, and majority, uh, and basically, what happens is he trolls the internet, and there's this viral, I guess, online like slash real life game that. Taken the net, like the underground of the net by storm, mm-hmm. where basically p- they pit people up against each other and they kill each other. Mm-hmm. And then he's basically trolling the comment section. Kind of like a death race, but like yeah. a more external out of prison situation. Yeah, exactly right. So he basically does his thing, starts trolling people, and then pretty much he messes with the wrong people who are actually the basically creators mm-hmm. of this game. And pretty much they come to his house, knock down the door, knock him out and bolt guns to his hands. <laughs> While he's passed out. While he's passed out and force him into this death game. <laughs> and then hijinks ensue from there. <laughs> yeah. I think after his initial waking up point and seeing him, one, or A, trying to take a piss. <laughs> two. <coughs> question for you. Yep. When he is taking a piss, do you reckon that was actually his dick? Do I, we I, see Radcliffe cock? <laughs> Probably not. I, I'd assume it'd have to be a stunt double in there. Either that or it's a fake willy. It, it was a very small dick. It was just all dome. Well, he was taking a piss and he managed to get his dick out of his pants with guns bolted But do you know what? I'd have a small dick and a big dome if I was in a situation where I had guns bolted to my hands with the threat of shooting my dick off. TMI. No, there's never too much information. Yeah. I had to recollect then. I I wasn't equipped with that terminology then, TMI. I was like, terminal uh, mixing? I, I don't know. <laughs> now I can't get the your description of your dick out of my head. <laughs> mm, oh, my God. dick's in your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Regardless. Anyways, Disgusting. back to it. Uh, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. By that scene, because it was oh, just look at you. the thought of being in a situation in which someone has bolted basically nine millimeter guns <laughs> to your hands with the threat of shooting your own dick off is not a good one. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and then him initially trying to get dressed was also a laugh. That trying to take his inhaler <laughs> as well, because he's an asthmatic <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, just trying to do simple tasks with. Basically, without his hands. And you don't think about it, but, like, in the situation that guns are bolted to your hand, that is problematic in every sense of the word across all aspects of your life. Yeah. Trying to to drive a car. 
Trying to drive a car. Like, what if you drive manual? Let's go even more basic. Trying to put your goddamn pants on. Trying to open a fucking door. <laughs> oh my god, that was funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trying to open a cylind- like a like Cylon- a s- like a spherical doorknob. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> just a it disaster. Was, it was a full-on disaster. You should have just shot the doorknob off. Yeah, I know. But again, like you're drawing attention to yourself. Look, if you got you're gonna draw attention to yourself anyway. You've got, you've got guns, guns for hands. hands. Literally, you have guns for hands. <laughs> it's fucked. <laughs> um, so, regard like having that backstory now, leading into ho- Mr. Homeless Man himself, Glenjamin. God, Glenjamin. Fuck it. It's like a white on white person, <laughs> but like boss level white on white person. Like, white on white. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> fuck I wouldn't him. do that if I was you. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we've established that Glenjamin is firmly our favourite character. Oh yeah. Between the dialogue him and Daniel Radcliffe exchange after Daniel Radcliffe drops out of a fucking homeless clothes bin box and basically have his, I guess it's a bit of a break moment for him where cops he's aren't been, chasing he's him. been chased through the city by cops. He's got this murderous girl after him, Nick's. trying to kill him. Yep. And he can't even do the simplest thing of put on some pants and he's just basically he's at his wit's end. Right? Yeah. Basically suicidal. Yeah. And hence sitting there, putting a gun into his mouth and Glenjamin <laughs> chimes in about how the way his angle was wasn't right and that he needs to adjust in order to do it correctly. Otherwise, he's going to shoot his face off and that is depressing. <laughs> Glenjamin, you are a legend. Who is your favourite? I think, obviously- I know you had a bit of a soft spot for Nyx. Nyx is cool, man. Like, I really like her character, Samara Weaving, Aussie, born and proud, love it. And so, Nyx was great in the sense of just her character and, like, the kind of delivery of her lines, I found it was really, like, it had impact. Like, at times at the start, I didn't think she was going to say much. But as yeah. the movie progressed, she spoke a lot more. I wouldn't say that had impact. She was just batshit crazy the whole time. Yeah, but like what I'm saying is, as the movie progressed, she had this quirky delivery of how she said shit. You know who she reminded me of when she spoke? Tell me, Tony. Aubrey Plaza. Oh, yes, yes. She had that kind of awkward yet crazy. She sort was of strange. Delivery. She was yeah. strange. Mm. But she was a cool character. Like that whole scene at the start with her driving and the guys behind her shooting, and then she does that like rip the handbrake, sideways spin, and then starts shooting at them. I'm like, okay, she's a boss bitch. Yeah. Not to mention great soundtrack playing whilst all this action is happening. The, look, can we take a minute just to talk about the soundtrack for this movie? We can. I don't know how this movie didn't get the attention it deserved just from the soundtrack alone. And it was all like interesting remixes of it classic songs. It was literally nothing but remixes of old songs. Yeah. It was fantastic. It was. It was really I fell good. in love with that soundtrack. You did. You like every song it. that came on, I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, like, that's sick. There, oh, there's like, another load by Tony. Like I was blowing load after load. It was great. The, the soundtrack's fantastic. Tony had a cardboard sock by the time he finished. Oh. <laughs> that's unpleasant. Oh, yuck. <laughs> so, Nyx is obviously a crucial character to the whole movie. Yes, she definitely. was fantastic. She was basically Daniel Radcliffe's main opponent. Yes. 
The two other ones that I really, really enjoyed were his boss at work. Oh, he was a dick. Absolute I cocksucker. fucking hated him. 100%. That whole initial scene with the card just mm. made me think, please, when you have guns on your hand, shoot him in the face. Yeah. And then his mate at work, oh. Mr. Nerf Gun. <sighs> that was sad. <laughs> Why? Remember he died? Yeah, they killed he, him? Yeah, that's like, right. Oh, man, poor kid. Oh, that's right. Falling out the back of the van. Yeah, Spoiler shot, alert. After they shot him. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But I think just that Nerf gun scene solidified for me. Shoots the Nerf gun. <laughs> Nix looks at him. <laughs> Mistakes were made. Fucking duck for cover. So that scene initially, when you first watch it, is hilarious. I was pissing myself. Or even when Daniel Radcliffe gets to the office and- Gives, tries to give him the phone yeah. because you have to reach into my pocket for it. And he grabs it like, it's still warm. <laughs> <laughs> and then I suppose that exchange that he has with his boss after like just about to leave oh, the office. So good. And I was like, oh, I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Just fucking waiting to his life. Yeah. I would have loved to see him actually shoot him in like a kneecap or something. Yeah. But, you know, we can't but, get everything we want. Nick's took care of him. Uh, comprehensively. Yeah. Basically turned him into a took fucking- Took care of the office. That yeah, office pretty much turned decimated. him into Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Going on from that, who was- who Was there anyone else that stood out for you characters? I think the, the main villain as well. Yeah, yeah. He stood out definitely. Just In very, what aspect? Like, did you like him as a character? What was it? I liked him as a villain. Okay. He was a good villain. Yeah. Um, because- to me, he didn't have any sort of redeeming qualities that would make him likable at all. No, at all. which which made him, which is why I say he's such a good villain. Mm. Because you think about it, a good villain, you don't like anything about a villain. That's yeah. the whole point of yeah. a villain. You don't want you don't not supposed to like the villain. Yeah, you're supposed to like hate them. Really, yeah. You want to see them fail, and he definitely gives off that vibe. Exactly, which I think what made him such a great villain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Definitely, uh, shit. Hold on, and I think for the the makeup name? that he had, and like just his face, it made you hate him. Yeah. It wasn't even just the Richter. See what the party Richter. Richter. Red Heat reference. Yeah. Red Heat reference. Played by Ned Dennehy, um, another Australian. Okay. So primarily, most of the cast were actually Australian in this, which is Australian New Zealander. Yeah. Um, a lot of the filming was actually done. In New Zealand as well, so yes, which I'm pretty sure done gauge. by a New Zealand production uh, company. Production company from okay. memory, yeah, I think I could be wrong, but anyway, but yeah, interesting cast, but I think all did a pretty standout job. Yeah, there was not really at any point where I found an ultimate dislike of anyone. Yeah, like I found all the characters that they brought in and introduced were all really relevant to what was actually happening. Yeah, there was. You know, even the villains, uh, Richter, 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 Richter's um, posse. Yeah, his crew were also really good in yeah. terms of being necessary characters. Yeah, even that exchange between the two of them when they're talking about the Walking Dead. <laughs> Those were just two <laughs> unknown henchmen, but you know, absolutely you, on perfect. The, for you know, the now scene. that I think back on that scene with the two guys just having like idle chit chat between them, it felt like a very like a sort of a Taika Waititi moment. Absolutely. You know, just two side characters had nothing to do with the movie, but they get their own little bit of dialogue scene. Did you feel that there was- Completely unrelated. Like a real influence of Taika's kind of humour? 
I would say so, definitely. Massively. And I wonder if it's down to not so much his type of humour, but maybe just New Zealand humour in general. New Zealand. New Zealand. Hey, bro. That's a bit too merry, eh? <laughs> yeah, bro. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, I, I think it's that style of humour, which I think it must be just a New Zealand thing. Yeah, it'd have to be. And it'd you know, it's be. great. It works. I feel like it, it kind of typifies New Zealand in the sense that it's not so specific that only New Zealand people get it. Yeah. You could put that on a global scale and everyone's going to understand yeah. kind of the relevance of the jokes and the humour behind it. And they'll laugh at it because mm. it is funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, like, what else did you lo- like about the movie? Okay. So, for me, this is weird, but the colouring of the movie, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an interesting hue and tone across the whole movie where everything's very vibrant. Yeah. It was vibrant yet grungy at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It, like a kind of punk-inspired feel. Like, yeah. I don't know, it, it, like fluoro and- Fluoro, but it felt dark. dirty. Yes, yes. And gritty. Yeah. You know what? Actually, the best way I can describe it, it's like when you're drawing with a highlighter and you go over like black text or something and then it gets yes. the smudge with it. Yes. It's that kind of color. Correct. Correct. So- that kind of was really appealing visually to me. But yeah. then I suppose also the way it was filmed. Mm. There was something about the use of slow-mos. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. The way it was shot, um, like, for example, chase scenes. Yeah. Chase scenes were shot There was really something well. very special about doing those moments of the chases when they were using slow-mos and then a mixture of other kind of cinematographic kind of elements and it just felt like there was not this monotone feel to it. There was yeah. texture yeah. in the shot. Yeah. So that in itself was a big winning part of yeah. that movie for me. And I think that kind of just goes to show the kind of the I guess the level of filmmaking that we that is possible now and that's kind of the done thing now. Yeah. You know, not yeah. a lot of things are shot. To make it like car chases, for example, they don't feel robotic anymore. No, you no. feel like you're part of it. It feels like like a proper action scene. Exactly. You know. So and I think that's what we come to expect now when it comes to those sort of movies. And I suppose as well, like I don't know what the particular budget on it was, right? But even if it didn't have a major kind of Hollywood blockbuster budget, it still feels like it was made in big studios, like. As much as it was like based in New Zealand and a certain other locations, yeah, there was this element of how would I put it? It didn't need excessive amounts of money to create the feeling and vibe that it did. Mm. It was just really authentic. It was raw. There was such an appeal to the way it was shot. Like, and I can't explain that just over this. I feel like as a listener, it's something you'd need to watch to understand what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So, ultimately, looking back at it now, going through the moments and the different scenes, there is so much that I was kind of visually appealing. Musically, the score was fantastic, as we yeah, both know. Yeah, amazing. Um, but then the character development was great. Like, Daniel Radcliffe just sat on the brink of losing it. Yeah. The whole fucking movie. He did. He really did. At the start, it's him on the brink of losing it because of how monotonous his life is and how yeah. shit it is. Yeah. But then it's the brink of, do I kill myself because of the situation I'm in now? And also on the brink of, well, again, that how sad his life is, but also piled on top with still not being able to get over his ex. Correct. 
Correct. And then I think that whole scene where he's sitting there and writing those fucking troll comments just kind of typifies that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. I just need to get it out. Yeah, that's but that was his While version he's of venting. In his fucking pajamas with those stupid fucking slippers. You wouldn't wear them? No, no I would. No, I wouldn't. If I was in a chase scene, that'd be fun oh, because your feet would be comfortable and warm. Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to run properly. I don't care. My You'd feet run like a duck. But wait, you run like a duck anyway. That's why I don't run. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> if someone's chasing after me, I'm already dead. <laughs> Just turn around. Simple as that. Please end it. Pretty Please much. fucking But end another this. thing I loved about the movie as well were just the the piles of pop culture references throughout the whole huge, thing. Huge there amounts. Tons. What was your favorite one? Oh. Or the ones that you can recall that kind of left it a mark? Oh, Mine? The Mortal Kombat one, the breaking of the bones where they show the slow mo. Yes, that was cool. Yep, yep. and the He Man reference. I have the power. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Any movie that references Masters of the Universe, yeah, good point. Is a winner in my yeah. books. I think for me it was the um, uh, if Rambo was shooting guns in real life, he wouldn't be. Oh, what was the line? He wouldn't be doing something. He'd be learning sign language. Uh, I, yeah, I kind of vaguely remember. Um, there was some other really great quotes. Like Nick says, never bring a spork to a gunfight, <laughs> which is just not the kind of line you ever fucking hear. Yeah. Or even um, I think when they first break into his apartment and he's like, can you not damage the stuff over here? Like pointing to like his collectibles and shit. Yeah. There <laughs> was funny. a couple others. Miles goes, don't worry. This isn't a love story about some nerd trying to get the girl. Like she's an Xbox achievement to be unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> and then- the exchange, I think it's between Xander and Miles. Mm-hmm. So Xander goes, cops are looking for you. Seems like you're in some deep shit now. Always knew you were a fucker. And then Miles goes, let me go. Xander, what you going to do? Take me on? You're going to hit me, amigo? You al loco? Oh. And then Miles goes, shut the fuck up. Stop pretending you speak fucking Spanish, you fucking idiot. Xander, hey, I'm sorry. Please don't kill me. Miles. You put me down every time I come in that door. You docked my pay for attending my mother's funeral and you hit on my girlfriend in front of me. I'm so sick of you and all your fucking shit. Fuck you and fuck that fucking chipmunk because of the game. And then his mate, squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. So there are some really, really fantastic exchanges uh, between a lot of the characters. Definitely. Um, What did you think of uh, the character of his ex? So that's purple hair girl. Yeah. Uh, she Raven? Raven? Hold on. I probably got that wrong already. Nova, sorry. Nova. No, okay. Where well, you're Raven from? I don't know. Same path. Weird hippie names. Yeah, I guess. She was uh, She was okay. I didn't go through it. No, no, go on. <laughs> don't I'm right. I'm fine. You're going to mask it. No, I'm fine. Okay. So <laughs> that Tony was about to fart, by the way. <laughs> Oh, what's that at? 27-25. I'll remember where that is. Okay. You pig. It sounds like a trombone. <laughs> Regardless. Okay, back to it. Uh, Raven. <laughs> Nova. That's so Raven. Oh, shut up. Oh, I hate that. Mm, I hate you. Mm, I hate you more. I hate you the most. Mm, I hate your DNA. I hate you more than COVID. <laughs> okay. Go on. She is kind of... Just an okay character. Yeah. She was relevant to what needed to happen in the story, but I don't think she added anything. She wasn't a standout. No, no. She was basically the kind of the 
you know, the damsel in distress yes. sort of thing, but didn't really play more of a role than that. Nyx was a badass. Yeah. She was kind of uh, an okay. Like, okay, well, you're there. She's cute. She's lovely. And it kind of it was perfect choosing her as part of Daniel Radcliffe's relationship because you can kind of see why there'd be a chemistry there, and that made sense as part of the story. But I didn't like her overall. I, I didn't. Who? Next. No, fucking Raven. Raven, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nova. Oh, fuck! <laughs> so, for me, that, yeah. that's all I can kind of give yeah, you. Yeah, I can't I'm, feed I'm into that. On that. Now, one of the crucial things I wanted to discuss, cult classic. Does it qualify? Does it fit into that category? Well, look, after you and I watched him, we started talking about the film. We both came to consensus that... We both think that this is going to be a cult classic. Yes, in, 10 years from in now. 10 years from now, Guns Akimbo will be a cult classic. Yes, it's going to be hitting up all those lists. So yeah. if you are a fan of cult classic movies, this is definitely one I'd say put on your bucket list that you need to get around to watch. Yeah. Because it has those elements of, well, it's only grossed 879000 in yeah, the box office. it did fuck all. So instantly you assume that's a flop. Yeah. But when you watch it, it's like, whoa, how did it only make that sort of money? Exactly right. But ultimately, it does fit into that cult classic category in my books. I think it does. It had the elements of kind of... It creates that idea of, with cult classics, being that subculture, underground, midnight movies, that sort of shit. Yeah. We've got to look at it in that regard because it's hard to view that movie in any other perspective apart from that. Yeah. You're not going to put that in the cinemas and have an audience sit there and go, fuck, that was awesome. Like, not everyone is going to love it. Yeah. It's going to be a very, very specific base of people who will be able to watch that over and over. And I got a feeling that they were trying to appeal to a much younger audience. The pop culture references, yeah. Yeah, but for some reason it just didn't hit. No. I don't know why. I still don't know why. It should have. Yeah. It hits in a way that- for people who can admire and appreciate cinema, not just for entertainment value, but can look beyond that and see, let's look at the cinematography, what we were talking about before about colours and shit. No one actively is going to the cinema to watch a movie to do that. No. But looking back over it and being in a position that we are talking about movies, it's hard not to notice this sort of stuff. Like when you're yeah. talking about all the different types of elements to the movie, these things stand out like dog's balls. Yeah. Like, absolutely. But I'm even talking from the perspective of just seeing it for what it is, just as a movie that's entertaining mm-hmm. with a lot of things that are relatable to not only myself, but to like to any sort of audience that, you know, that it's, especially with pop culture, how big it is in general, mm-hmm. how people who are into, the, into pop culture just wouldn't jump on board this. This is- Summarizing almost everything pop culture in one movie. It was. It literally was. Even the whole star with the Facebook likes and kind yeah. of all that running. Again, you're finding the relatable aspect of pop culture straight away. It's in your face. Or just reality. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it shows him at the start walking through the city with his head buried in his phone. Yeah. Which, that's the reality we live in. Yeah. It's sad reality at that. It is what it is. Yeah, but it's depressing. Um, another thing that kind of caught my eye was the fact of how everything's filmed, like the whole situation and premise of the show that they're like obviously filming and doing as part of the movie. But 
that whole scene where he walks in and she's like, oh, my God, you're yeah, whatever, and, like, wants a selfie with him. Yeah. And it's just just such a it was, homage it was- to what society is. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, we need photos, we need selfies, we need, oh, my God, look what's playing on this. Oh, oh my God, forums and, like, I'm typing trolls. I'm, I'm a fucking troll. All this kind of shit just feeds back into pop culture life of today. Yeah, exactly So right. much, so much. Yeah, which, again, leads me to wonder why, A, this movie didn't get half the recognition it deserved, mm-hmm. and B- are we right in saying that this is going to be a cult classic in 10 years? I think so. I really I still so. stand by that. Yeah. I still think there will be. And I think people are going to vouch for that as well when it happens. Yeah. 10 years from now, we're going to look back and go, we fucking told you so. Yeah. It's so true. We're calling it here first, folks. Yeah. You heard it here first on Rebels Without a July 2020. You heard the it. The year of COVID. There you go. <laughs> you fucking heard it. Lockdown. Again. Um, <laughs> Backwards step. Hashtag second wave. Hashtag wait for it. Oh, no. Wait for it. Hashtag Sinbad has cancer. Oh, no! <laughs> God, I regret saying that. <laughs> that was prime. Absolute <sighs> fucking prime. Hashtag Sinbad has cancer. Who the hell chose that picture for his IMDP page? Okay? <laughs> it's not my fault that he looked like he had cancer in that picture. <laughs> he did. He looked it's like, horrible. He looked like Prince Edward. Whoever's in charge of choosing the pictures for IMDb, for God's sake, change Sinbad's one. It's terrible. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, please go and have a look because you'll understand this point of reference. It needs to change. It definitely does. So, But as we learnt, yes. whilst, guess on the topic, <laughs> whilst on the topic yep. of cult classics, yep. our defin- I find that I think my definition of a cult classic is different to what is considered a cult classic. I think there's no absolute definition of what, how, like, how would you define cult? Like, when you think of the word cult, what do you think of? You think of, like, a very select following of Yeah, people. exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. I always, like, to me, a cult classic was always a movie that wasn't really popular in the main, like, it goes to the masses. Yeah. But built up a big following after it had Post done release. its time. Yeah. And got- Basically got a big group of people, followers that actually love it. Yeah. And then got the recognition deserved, whether it be a horrible movie that is one of those movies that it's so bad that it's good, or one movie that was just good, but at the time like was either released wrong, <laughs> was either released at the wrong time, or just maybe got overshadowed by other big pictures that came out at the same time. Yeah, no, I can see how you can get that kind of understanding behind it. But with cult for me, like when I understand cult classic movie, there's this thing I think about as in it's an underground movie. Like there's a movie called Green Room with Green, yeah, Green Room mm-hmm. with uh, what's the guy that died? Wow, how very specific no, no, no. He's of a you! Young kid, he died. The only- guy that died. Fuck off! I- I'm going to bring it up. Keep You're talking. a dumb fuck. You're an absolute the guy. Fuckwit. The guy You're that a died. Fucking bird. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that. <coughs> Let's not go ch- calling each other birds. You're a fucking anthill. Your forehead looks like a sandhill. What? <laughs> um, okay, Anton Yelchin. Who? This guy. Who? Anton Yelchin. He was in like Star Trek and a couple other movies. Oh, wasn't that the guy that died by crashing his car or something? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. So he died, but he was in this movie that was basically just 
a very raw, like it was punk infused with Nazis and it was full on. It's full on. It's a really dark movie. Okay. It is kind of the epitome of cult classic. There was not a big following for this. But does it even have a following now, though? It does. Are you sure? Yeah, man. A lot of the groups that I'm part because, of- Because, look, we've done this. We've done the research. Yeah. Not one list that we've seen or come across mm-hmm. has even had a mention of that movie. No. Which makes me- Again, this is where I'm getting to my point of what we consider as a cult classic. Is it really a cult but classic? But we're deeming because- and we're talking about movies in the present five years. A lot of these movies do not exist in that category. Yeah, but look, a couple of movies that we would have put in this list yeah, and that have that kind of time frame are nowhere. No, but again, this is a very subjective basis. I don't think there's like a consensus across film critics everywhere about what constitutes cult classic. I think it comes down to personal preference of what you consider as cult classic. I don't know what criteria they're operating off because I understand. But how, can a, cult cla- but how can a cult classic be a personal preference? A cult classic is, like we said before, it's a movie that has a a following of many people, not just ourselves. A following of many people with a very, very unique subjective interpretation of that film. It's not across the board where everyone goes, I can appreciate that. Well, a lot of people aren't going to appreciate that, but there is going to be a minority of people who have their own personal understanding and relatability to that movie for some reason that they connect with. God knows it's going to be different for everyone. So that's the kind of basis that I'm making my point on. It's still throwing me off that through all the research we've done, not one thing have we come across this mentioned in The Crow. No. Which, that's which, what that, that's, that's what boggles my mind. Boggles. How did The, how did the Crow not what did make it do? Boggled your mind. Yeah, get over it. <laughs> how did The Crow not make... Any sort of cult classics list at all. That's surprising. That's in what itself. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, who's doing these lists and how did they forget the crow? So, if we look at cult classic lists, lists, there's was a lot of different letters in that. Wow. A Clockwork Orange, number one on IMDb as the top cult classic And it's in every list. Not as number one, but it's mentioned in pretty much every list. And I think it has to be. It definitely fits the category. Yeah. It's not for everyone. No. Definitely not. And have you seen it? Yes. Okay. So, for those of you who have seen it, it is, you know, the words I'd probably use to describe it, it's quite depressing. It is depressing. It's very emotional. It is emotional. It's off-putting. It's off-putting. It's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. But there is a sense of rawness about it that kind of stands out like dog's balls. Like, you can't not acknowledge that movie. I don't care how much you don't love movies. That is one that if you haven't watched it, it's a movie you need to see before you die. Just to kind of put an understanding of what they mean by cold classic. Yeah. Yeah. Pulp Fiction. Now, this is one that I find strange that it's a cult classic. Okay, explain. Think of things like this. Cast to begin with. Yeah. Big names. Yep. Okay. The big names in there, a notable director. Yep. And as far as a film's concerned, yes, shot differently for the time, but I wouldn't say that it was one that wasn't received by the masses. No. But do you know what? This is, I was thinking about it just before. The way I see how that fits into this profile 
is the fact of how heavily dialogue-based that movie is. There's not this coherent, you know, mainstream storyline that occurs throughout that whole film. Yeah. It's a very dialogue-based film, mm-hmm. which is not... It's not for everyone. It's not everyone's cup of tea. A lot of talking in movies kind of throws a lot of people off because, like today, in today's world, the attention span needs to be something new a lot of the time. Yeah. That movie holds my attention because I can appreciate what the dialogue is and how significant it would take a writer to sit down and come up with such a brilliant fucking script. I... I seem to think the reason why it's considered a cult classic by a lot of these lists is not because of, I guess, it's being like a kind of nowhere movie that suddenly got its its fame later on. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's got that following because of how many people were drawn to it and how big a cult it grew. You get me? Yeah. No, I do. You know what I'm Th- trying to say? That makes sense. That makes sense. It's, it's hard to explain, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. It was like a cult on top of a cult. Yeah. Because there was so much, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was kind of, oh, it, it's left of field, Yeah, but it's not. It had a cult following, but it still had a mainstream audience. Exactly right. So, it, it it's genre jumping. Yeah. It fell into not just kind of an underground feel where it was dark and gritty and yeah. it appealed to those audiences. And obviously- the movie itself, very Tarantino of him. It Fucking had that house feel to it. Exactly. And Tarantino, again in itself, most of what he produces could potentially fall into that category. Which majority of them do. Well, let's talk about the next one. Let's go. Let's are, go. We, are we sticking on the Tarantino thing? Oh, we, we can if you want. So, so the Kill Bill series. Kill Bill again, and Reservoir Dogs. I think, I think his movies are cult classics because there's a Tarantino movie cult. Yeah. Oh, right? without question. This like he's got a following of this such a big following of people that resonate and are drawn to his movies because they're Tarantino films. Yes, exactly. Right. Regardless of what the title is or who's in it, if it's a Tarantino movie, you know it's going to do well. Yes, exactly. And people are going to get drawn to it because they love his style of filmmaking. He's very unique. Definitely. There is not many other producers, directors that can do what he does Mm-mm. in like in a different circle. I see the way, for example, M night Shyamalan used to make his movies. Used to. He, when he was making at his peak, the sixth sense signs, these sorts of movies, he was the king of twists. hundred percent. And what I'm saying is he built a cult following of horror fanatics because all you were doing was going to watch it for a fucking twist. Mm. You knew there was something drastic that was going to happen. It was just a matter of time yeah, before it did. And, and he surprised you every time. Exactly. And Tarantino has kind of that same presence and value in what he does and what he creates because you don't you go in and you never know what to expect with a Tarantino film. You don't. Django Unchained. Yeah. I did not have the faintest idea where that movie was going. Yeah. Again, Fight Club. Who the fuck saw the ending? I didn't see that ending coming. No. But what a fucking ending. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was incredible. That was. That was. I think with such a stellar cast as well, I've got a real appreciation of Edward Norton. I love the movies he chooses because I think everything he seems to choose is absolutely his forte in that style of acting. Yeah. American History X. Yeah. He's got this kind of loose screws thing about him that he's yeah. ready to snap. Yeah. And he does it so well. Yeah. I love it. Except love for him. one. Which one? Incredible Hulk. 
Yeah, I think that was a money maker. Definitely. Purely. Definitely. Um, because there's not many other movies where I find that there's not a depth or a substance to his character basis. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. Donnie Darko. Mm. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That movie did some things. Yeah. Like, I, I can't put it any other way, but it, there's this weird element of feels in that movie. Yeah. You just- like you said before, there's a sense of uncomfortableness about yeah. that film. There's a sense of uncomfortableness, but at the same time, not knowing how to feel during yeah. it. Yeah. Like, you really don't know how to feel during that movie. The movie's confusing, and it makes you feel confused. But yeah. I think that's the aim of the director. Definitely. Producing yeah. it the way he did. Yeah. So, sitting there watching it, and you're like, what the fuck is that rabbit? Yeah. Holy shit. The whole scene in the cinema with the rabbits and the sounds that the rabbit made. No, thank you. Mm. No, thank you. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it was weird. It was strange. It was strange. Mm. Moving on. Any others that kind of stand out for you? Blade Runner can go fuck yourself. That <laughs> movie shit me up the wall. Uh, 12 Monkeys. I fucking love that. I feel like Bruce Willis in that is just, it's not what you'd commonly expect Bruce Willis to choose. It's a really- Or Brad Pitt for that matter. Or Brad Brad Pitt plays the biggest fucking loony in that movie. It's so weird. So weird. He does loony well. Yeah, he does. He does. But yeah. there's not much that he can't do. Yeah, that's true. Do you think he gets the recognition he deserves as an actor? No. No. I, I think do he- I. <coughs> I think, unfortunately, COVID. he's- Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think the kind of recognition he gets- he gets mostly Looks. is yeah the pretty yeah. boy yeah because well let's face it he's a handsome man he's a fucking good looking rooster but he doesn't get I guess the recognition as an actor no which is sad yeah because he's a great actor between like something like Twelve Monkeys I loved him in World War Z yeah I thought he was brilliant in that Legends of the Fall mm-hmm. there's so many I could just rattle off um even- I loved him in Snatch oh of course. But, like, weirdly, I'm going to say Troy. Yeah. As Achilles. Yeah. He was great in that. Yeah. But ultimately, like, fair enough, you know, he's used for roles where he's ultimately made to look pretty. Yes. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. He looked pretty. Yeah. Troy, he looked pretty. Yes. Which overshadowed the kind of work he did for that role. Yeah. Which is a little bit annoying. Moving on. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Basically, it's a drug crowd. (laughs) A drug crowd loves that film. Yeah. It's- like Human Traffic and a bunch of others that I've watched, they all kind of fall into that category of underground, I'm going to say rave culture. Yeah. Because watching that movie, you feel like you're genuinely on something. Yeah. It's fucked. It's just kooky. It's out there. But again, Johnny Depp does it in such a perfect way because it just suits him. Yeah. It really does. It definitely suited his acting style. Yeah. Uh, How did you feel about the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Honestly? Mm Mm-hmm. Let's do the time warp again. I actually... <laughs> what? Go say it. I haven't watched it. <laughs> Oi, I'm going to fucking end this podcast now. Oh, for fuck's We're done. Again. We're done. You useless fuck. How? Oh, my God. I wasn't exposed to it in my younger years. Well, I don't care who you are. You need to watch it. All right. The music's amazing. The dancing's amazing. The story itself is just fun to watch. And you, who appreciates Tom Curry. Who, sorry? Uh, 
What's his name? Tom Curry. Tim Curry. Oh my God. You. Don't try and deflect. You. Don't don't, don't deflect. Don't deflect. Don't deflect. Mr. I'm such a big fan of the movie, but I don't even know one of the main stars' names. Are you fucking serious? Don't deflect. No. Because this is what you do. This is what you do. Tom Curry. That's fine. Fuck you, Tom Curry. I'll own it, but you will not own the fact that you have not seen it. You shit yourself in saying that to me then, you fucking little bitch. (laughs) You're a big bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But... Yes, we can understand that how that's considered as part of the whole cold classic kind of subgenre. Yeah. Are there any others that kind of stand out? Being John Malkovich, that threw me around a little bit. Labyrinth, I understand, definitely, yeah. as a cold classic. And I, as a little kind of honourable mention to that as well, Pan's Labyrinth. Yep. That one is definitely cold classic. Yeah. Uh, Clerks- again, surprising that it's not part of these lists. Pan. I, I wonder though if it because it's a foreign film that it hasn't made the list. I wouldn't say that. Okay. Because I think those sort of movies mean isn't that like a movie that's not very well known? Isn't that part of the definition of becoming a cult classic? Not necessarily because who's to no, say? No, I'm saying a part of it. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe a part of that category. But again, the people making these lists are primarily going to be looking at English language films. Yeah, I suppose. Apart from the gods, must be crazy. Breakfast Club. Yes. Fuck yes, that's what a movie. definitely a cult classic. <laughs> it's, it's a good movie. Army of Darkness. I enjoyed it. I, I don't understand the still ongoing love of Bruce Campbell, though. I don't get it. Really? I understand that there's this like triangulation of Evil Dead, Bruce Campbell, and Army of Darkness. And it just seems to pervade all parts of my Facebook. It's like, Bruce Campbell reclaiming his role as fucking, you know, in Army of Darkness or or this. Or is he going to do this? Dude, like, he's done. Just leave him be. I actually love the fact that he wants to come back and do it so often. Yeah, but- I love it when actors reprise their roles again from movies they did so long ago in the past. Who would you like to see that happen again with? I can't think. Honestly, I don't know. I think the ultimate one, well, ultimate two for me is Doug Bradley for Hellraiser. Right. And uh, Robert Englund for Free. Right. They're, they're kind of two roles that I don't think anyone could ever take on again. Yeah. Like with Leatherface, you can put anyone doing it because yeah. they just need to be a big fuck. The same well, with Jason and the same with exactly Michael Myers. Right. Yeah. Um, I suppose one of the ones who did a fantastic fucking job, was um, the brother who played Pennywise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was brilliant at it. And it was interesting because I watched a casting video of when they were initially organizing to do yeah, I've the seen casting, casting video where he yeah. does the lip thing yeah, and then the eye thing. And I yeah. was like, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I feel like that that should push him into more of a kind of, Serial killer slash horror vibe. Yeah, but do you think because now he... Oh, basically, let's pretty much... He is Pennywise. Yeah, now, he is. Right? If you put him into that sort of genre now... He gets too they, much typecast? Exactly. That and uh, are people going to be able to see him past being Pennywise? I think so because... But that whole thing, for example, when you... Like we were saying about Daniel Radcliffe at the start. Yeah. Trouble seeing him past anything other than Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's that sort of mentality. But I suppose with Harry Potter, there were seven movies. Yeah. So, that's a long period of time well, to be associated with a movie. Well, now, 
the Pennywise we know of now, he's already got two movies. And, with a and they were third. pretty big. Yeah. They were huge. Massive. Massive. Right? So even though Daniel Radcliffe did seven movies, Pennywise got at least two with a possible third. Yeah. And got a lot of, like, people know that he is Pennywise. But can now. I say one thing? The difference between this is Daniel Radcliffe still looks like a boy. He doesn't look like a man. Right. Whereas the guy who plays Pennywise mm-hmm. is, weirdly, he's a beautiful man. Like, he's a very good-looking man. Okay. So, he's going to have a lot more access to roles that don't necessarily entail him following in a Pennywise thing because you will be able to see him as other characters. Yeah. He has that look about him. Like Brad Pitt. <coughs> Brad Pitt has the <coughs> versatility to go, all right, well, I'm fucking Achilles from Troy, but now I'm going to be working for the UN in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. There's a real ability to jump from different genres. Yeah. I think that he has the capacity to do it as well. Possible. So, yeah. Well, Go on. Where do I begin? Go I literally on. watched it two nights ago at the drive-ins, The Lost Boys. Again. That movie, without a doubt, sits at the forefront Fuck you, Sean. Um, again. Of God. best vampire movie. One, again, the fact that it's made the cult classic list, there's no doubt about that. What do you think- Why? Like in your- Yeah, why do you think it makes it, makes it as a cult classic? Because- So, how it worked was, prior to that, and looking at the vampire category itself, in the literature of vampirism, it was romanticized. Yeah. Like, vampires were sexual creatures. Yeah. Like, a lot of it was bloodlust and sex and that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. The Lost Boys took it in a way that it was a bloodlust in a different way. Yeah. It was gory. It was brutal. So, making it, especially at the time of the 80s when, like, you got to think the Goonies were prominent and all these kind of- the kids being together, Empire Records, fucking Breakfast Club. There's always these people being together, young kids. So there was this relatable context. Yeah. The vampires being brought into that kind of category then. Yeah. It blew the romanticism out of the water. That was gone. That yeah. was just far removed at that point before Fuckwit and Twilight took it over again. Oh, God. But the interesting thing is. Interview with a vampire, romanticized vampires again, but kept the brutal nature about it. Right. It was raw. It was intelligent. It was kind of vampires who have been around for a long time. Yeah. And you think even Underworld. Yeah. Where they don't need to get narky and arc up about it because they've been around the block. Yeah. I'm intelligent. They've I know what the, I'm doing. They've got wisdom. Exactly. So, The Lost Boys for me kind of took everything good out of what the vampire category was and made it relatable. Right. That's where I see it. Yeah. It falls into that slot. But then, like I said, you get something like uh, Twilight and it ruins the franchise of vampires. But again, how does it, what do you think makes it a cult classic? What makes it a cult classic is the fact that at the time you had, I think this is why it brings into a lot of equations the whole idea of Michael Myers, Jason, the Texas Chainsaw, all having such a prominent presence in that category because they all started something. Yeah. There was a gore factor in the 80s prominently. Yeah. It wasn't really there in the 70s. Yeah. But 80s made gore and slashes cool. Right. The slasher genre 
is a classic in itself in the sense of cult. Right. The Lost Boys falls into that category. It wasn't a slasher, but it was gore-fused. Right. So, what we look at now in terms of Saw, moving forward, that's going to have the same impression as for us what Texas Chainsaw, Michael Myers, and all that had back then. Right. So, it's literally just passing the torch. Okay. But The Lost Boys, as I said, it was a cult classic in the sense that it gave a new meaning and element to vampires that potentially wouldn't maybe appease a big famous crowd. Yeah. Like a famous crowd. Um, like a popular movie-going crowd. Yeah. But there was that relatability for the young kids. Yeah. And the young kids found that in that respect. So, yeah, that's my rant. <coughs> so, that being said, I want to go into basically going, what... Uh, what's what are some movies that you consider a cult classic in more contemporary times? That, but also ones that like basically we didn't see in the list, but you think you know what I would consider this a cult classic. Okay, well the standout for me, and like uh, not a lot of people have seen it. It's it follows right. It's so unique in the way it's filmed, in the story, in the premise of what the actual movie's about. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen anything like it. Yep. The soundtrack has this weird 80s throwback yep. and it kind of, it's horror, but it's not. It makes you scared of naked people. I'm not going to even try and go into it with you. Okay. It's fucking terrifying. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And just the kind of vibe that it makes you feel, like what we were talking before about being uncomfortable and sitting on the precipice of an edge and not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. It's it's that through and through. Right. And it does this thing with music where it builds and it's a slow burn. Right. And I was like, oh, my God, this is just going to – this hits the money for me, like yeah. in terms of what it does, how it does it. Okay. As I said, it's not for everyone mm-hmm. and I can understand why a lot of people wouldn't appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. But it's such a unique, a unique take on a – because horror is so saturated at the moment with – Everyone kind of revamping, you know, could be, could be vampires, could be fucking zombies, it could be everything. There's so much, but this is just different. Okay, this is really, really different. What uh, about you? What about non-horror? Oh, I, 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 did I? Can, sa- can you mention anything non-horror? Did I say I said one before to you? I can't think of what did I you? said. Yeah, I said two. It well, follows look, in something else. Well, look, I mean, for me. One that's definitely stand out, and I've mentioned it a few times already in this episode. It's the crow. Can I say which one I also think for you? Equilibrium, definitely. That hundred percent is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. on the crow, pretty much the same things that you brought up as far as reasons why I think it it it's a cult classic. Mm-hmm. The way it's shot, the the I guess the, the color, soundtrack, the soundtrack. The, basically, the color scheme of the movie itself. Hell yeah. The the way that, I guess, characters are portrayed in the movie. Um, it's it In its own way, it's very eclectic, mm-hmm. you know? But in in the same vein, eclectic yet somber. Yeah, no, I get that. Know what I mean? And and I think, again, because of the whole- Because of the whole Brandon Lee dying, dying during the shoot- The shooting oh, of the oh, film. Oh, no pun intended. Oh, oh. <laughs> Shooing. Shooing. But yeah, but the way that the movie was filmed, I I would consider that a cult classic. 
You know, like, yes, I think a big part of it has to do with him dying on set. Mm-hmm. But I think the film on its own merit deserves that kind of status. Yeah, I do too. Wholeheartedly. And do you think, this is just an observation I'm making now, but in terms of the colour of the film, yeah, do you find that that kind of was maybe a benchmark for her house since City did theirs? Like, in the sense of it was very... Black and white. No. Okay. No, I think Sin City, and I think that's another one that I would consider a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Um, Sin City, the way it was shot, especially color-wise, mm-hmm. was more so to depict how it is in the comic. Yeah. Because the comic is drawn in the same way. It's drawn in black and white. Okay. With like, I don't think they even put color in the comics. It's just all black and white. Mm-hmm. They put that little bit of splash of color in the movie for blood. Just for the movie. Okay. Right? So, and I think, again, the way it's shot with the kind of little short stories that all piece together to make one big overhauling story. Yeah. That style of movie, I think, in a way, is already, I guess, it's been done a fair bit. Yeah. But I think the way they did it in, in Sin City, it was felt it felt different. Okay. It felt different to your standard, all right, different stories piece together to come up mm-hmm. to be one. Mm-hmm. And- I find that just because it was such a, I guess, a, I don't know, it felt like an underground movie. It didn't feel mainstream. Mm-hmm. So, I think for me, that's why I would also consider that cult classic. Yeah. Like you mentioned before, Equilibrium. Definitely. I would definitely consider that as a cult classic because I don't think it got a huge record, like a, a huge sort of mass following Mm-mm. with when it came out. I think it definitely built itself up over the years. And I think the content and of the dialogue of that movie. Yeah. Again, is, another like there's a lot of action in that movie, yeah. but again, there is a lot of dialogue in that movie as well. Really? Like it's not one where you can dialogue. just sort of tune out to it. You have to pay attention. Mm. And it makes you think. And again, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, the movie has so many themes that are still relevant to us today, it almost puts it in that category of being timeless. Mm-hmm. Like the emoji movie. But it's timeless. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> or pixels. <laughs> I'm going to hang you. I'm going to hang you like a salami in my garage. Okay, that's all right. Glad you finished with that. You piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck, okay. But, yeah, I think that's why I think Equilibrium deserves that status of film. Fuck off. I'm sorry. You're You've, a stuttering dog Yeah, tonight. you're no better tonight either, so fuck <laughs> I you. I was a lot better. No, you weren't. I was. You were horrible. Whatever. Don't worry. I'll see it. We'll see And it. I'll hear it. We'll hear I'm going to see it. I'm going to say- I'm going to see- I'm going to save every single win. <laughs> um, anyway, but I think another one that I would say is part of that, and in the same vein as Equilibrium, as far as, like I guess, the relevance to modern day society, even mm-hmm. though it was done so long ago, Idiocracy. Mm-hmm. I think that's another one, again, didn't do well at the box office. I think later on it developed its, I guess, its fandom mm-hmm. and notoriety. And I think that's what would give it that cult classic status. Yeah. No, I get you. Yeah. Because you think about the the world that we're in at the moment, you go back to, you go back and watch Idiocracy and it really speaks to you, like, in a scary way. Mm. Like I'd, I'd hope it speaks to me and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. You got Anyways, any others? I can't think of anything. Not off the top of my head right now. What about something more recent? Other than, well, Guns Akimbo. More recent. More recent. What have I watched lately? Well, we've had little to bugger all this year. Yeah. 
So yeah. there's nothing. I, I, I don't think there's anything I'm that came out of 2020. Retrace footsteps of even something like a war movie. Like I feel like 1917. But might- I think that got a lot of recognition. Like the, a lot of people saw that movie. Oh, I'm not debating that. I'm not debating that at all. Yeah. But war circles, it, it's kind of a very hard category to understand a cult classic sitting in that space. Uh-huh. But the way it was shot is a first of its kind. Yeah, exactly. So that's where I kind of feel like it has some kind of foundation to be categorized, but I wouldn't necessarily put it there no. definitively. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider it a cult classic only because it was well-received by the masses. You get me? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, One of the other ones, again, you're going to probably hate me for falling back into the horror category, uh, 30 Days of Night. Okay. It's just one of those movies that did it in a light that I don't think I'd ever seen a depiction of vampires like that. Mm -hmm. It was, you know... I'm not going to go too much into it, but that's another one. Kind of a hybrid of like rage zombie mixed with vampire. Literally, literally. And a very, very interesting depiction of it. Yeah. Because the way it panned out of them being in Alaska where it's literally 30 days of night for a whole month. Yeah. How do you escape that? You don't. You don't. You die. Yeah. So that's what made it a little bit more fun. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, that's it. So yeah. So pretty much what we're coming away with tonight is, I guess, the definition of a cult classic is vast and varied. Yeah. But there's no typified definition of what constitutes cult classic because I, as I said before, think it falls into a very subjective interpretation. Yes, it's underground. Yes, it's kind of grindhouse. Yes, it's kind of... Like, so many... Like, you think about it. Music these days. There's subgenres of genres of subgenres. Mm. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think... The cinema is now starting to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. we've got that and people should watch Guns Akimbo. And out of 10, what would you give it? Um, I'd probably give it, I'd say, I reckon probably seven and a half. Yeah. Seven and a half to oh, eight. Yeah. yeah. For Something me, like it probably falls into seven, seven and a half. Yeah. 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 Look, it wasn't the best movie. Don't get me wrong. No. It wasn't a, a fantastic movie. But very interesting. But it was very interesting and very entertaining. Correct. So Correct. that's why I would give it that kind of score. Perfect. Yeah. So if you haven't watched it, watch it. Yeah. It's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. I think that's a plan. Yeah. And I think that's a that's wrap. a wrap for this topic. If you guys have any any suggestions of what you think is cold a classic. cold classic, yeah. um, I'm assuming we'll be hearing from you, Chris. Um <laughs> So, yeah, um, definitely leave us some comments and we'll get a bit of a chat started. Other than my stutteringness <laughs> and Brad being a fucking child. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah fucking piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, so leave us some comments and let's have a discussion about this. Yeah, let's get some people who are actively wanting to contribute to this discussion because I feel like there'd be quite a few people that would have a contribution of their own. Uh, please don't mention any more horrors. For fuck's sake. I hear it enough from this cunt. That's true. That's true. Moving on. No, <laughs> no moving on from me talking about horror. Ah, oh, okay. Good yeah. things. Yeah. Good things are coming. Okay. Change is going to come. Yeah. Mm. Lockdown. <laughs> 2 p.m. The pit. It's <laughs> <laughs> be there. <laughs>
Uh, All right, uh, so um, I'll bring it up again, guys. If you haven't done so already, be sure to go like and subscribe us on Anchor, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and whatever other podcast app you use. You can also follow us on our social medias on Instagram, Rebels Without a Clue 03, Twitter, Rebels Without a 1, and Facebook, Rebels Without a Clue Podcast. Brilliant. There you go. You want to plug your own butthole? Uh, If you want to follow me on any of my social medias, you can... Get in touch at Braddles2505, so that's B-R-A-D-E-L-S 2505 on Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook. And you can follow me on Instagram at T-Boner80Figs. <laughs> that's T-B-O-N-E-R. D-O-G. <laughs> I'm not Adrian. T-B-O-N-E-R. D-O-G. And Snapchat T-Boner18, T-B-O-N-E-R-1-8. That's it. There we go. And that's it for another week, guys. So, um, like, like we said earlier, get in contact with us. Let's talk about this stuff. And um, until Look forward to hearing you soon. Yeah. And until next time. Bah! Bah!